Hey everyone, welcome to the Content Rocks podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about a very important topic if you're using content in your day-to-day process, and that is workflow and the workflow abilities that content has to create quality content. This is your host, Brian McKeever. And again, this is the podcast, but all things content by Kentico, .NET, Azure, and even a little Jamstack in there. And I'm really pleased to once again be joined by a good friend of mine and uh, developer advocate uh, at content, uh, Andre Polizny. Andre, how are you doing? Uh, hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. I'm great today. Good, good. So, Andre, I, I just want to make sure that everyone knows, what, what do you do for content? Let's cover that really quickly. Tell everyone what your day-to-day looks like, and then we'll dive right into this, this topic of workflow. Right. So the official job title is a developer evangelist. Uh, what it means is uh, whatever happens in the DevRel part of the company, uh, I try to show uh, that to the to the world. Um, I also take care of the MVP team, which uh, you, uh, of course, are part of for, for a long time. Um, and uh, what we're trying to do is essentially help developers understand uh, what we offer and uh, help them use the product to the, to its best ability and to make sure that um, you know their jobs are uh, as easy as possible. And I think you do a fantastic job of that. You know, I know that you've put out a lot of tutorials on your YouTube channel, on Twitter, even taking care of some of the sites and, and the program. And I think you've done a great job for the community. So I commend you for all that activity. And I know you're pretty passionate about it as well. So that's pretty darn cool when you can bring those things together. Um, Thanks. Thanks, Brian. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, let's get into it. If, if you're watching this episode or listening, you saw the title. It's going to be about workflow. And it's funny because I talk to a lot of teams who are maybe new to any CMS world, right? Maybe they've just kind of not had a CMS, whether it's a traditional or a headless or DXP. It almost doesn't matter. When we, when we talk about how do we make sure quality content is accomplished and what tools there are to make sure that we're not being inefficient in our processes, the, the concept of workflow comes up all the time. Hmm. And it's something that not everybody actually has a great handle on at the beginning. The lucky lucky thing is though, after you kind of explain it and maybe even show a little bit, people usually catch on to it pretty quickly and then they appreciate having this process in place. And it's a very cool thing to see it kind of come to life from before it may have been just whoever last edited and saved the page was, was the, the final copy that got out to the website or, or whatever platform you're, you're powering uh, with, with your CMS at, to, to, to have now a structure and a process in place. And I don't know if you've seen that or not, Andre, in, in your work, but definitely I think there's a lot of education room for what are workflows and, and how to use them and, and how they provide value. Definitely. Um, like it's a, it's a, maybe a bit weird uh, coming from me as uh, I'm uh, working with technical audiences and a typical developer, um, they just want the content. They want to work with the API. They're interested about the SDK. Um, they want to get their hands on code as soon as possible. Um, but workflows are kind of on the other side. Yeah, Before you actually get the content through the API, through the CDN, uh, someone has to create the content. Someone has to work on it. Someone has to translate it. Someone has to review it. Um, and in those cases, like for very simple projects and getting started, this is usually a feature that you don't see there. Um, but uh, as your project grows, and it doesn't have to be like a big uh, team, yeah? it can be a team of uh, four or five uh, editors, uh, including the developer. Um, and uh, at that time, you already need uh, a workflow. I would say it's it's like when two developers are working on a, on one project, you definitely need Git to track 
um, the changes to have a history there. Uh, I think workflow is a very similar thing on content uh, when you need to have some kind of governance, some kind of order in how things are propagating towards, um, you know, the production site or any other channel. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And in fact, I think it's very easy for developers to skip this step in some systems and not actually even add it at the beginning of a project. And then maybe at the very end, like someone says, oh, hey, what about this? And, and maybe it's added in and it actually can cause problems, at least in years past in old legacy CMSs. We had that issue a lot where maybe the code didn't work the right way if the piece of content was in draft mode only because the API wasn't structured or the, the person didn't implement it correctly. And, I, I, you know, you actually could shoot yourself in the foot to not consider it at the beginning of the project. And that's one thing I really appreciate by content is that there is a default workflow out of the box right away, out of the gate. There, you actually can't skip workflow because it puts every piece of content in that, that default workflow already. Uh, and we're going to look at that here in a second. But it's a nice little thing that it kind of gets you as a developer used to dealing with it right from the beginning. Because even working with things through the management API, you actually have to respect workflow when you're maybe doing your initial load of, of content from another system or or just working with content items in general. Uh, there's there's this concept of workflow step. It really matters, especially when you get into like the delivery API showing published content and the preview API only showing uh, draft mode content. It's, it's really critical to understand this, which is why I'm very excited to talk about it today and share some some examples that we have. Yeah, it's, it's exactly as you say, uh, you mentioned the preview API. So that's a great example of how you can use the draft content. And then again, uh, developers already use workflows in, in their in their Git, right? When you create a pull request, when you do a commit, um, those are similar things. Yeah. So even if, uh, if you're storing content, if you don't have a headless CMS and you're storing stuff in Markdown files and you commit them in GitHub in a, in a specific branch, and then you create a pull request, it's as if you are working with a workflow. So uh, headless CMS is just make it easier and split, you know, the code from content and make it nice to for everyone to to use it and not even think about it. Yep. Yep. Okay. So we have two main examples today. One, we'll just start with kind of like a getting started example of what are the basics of how the system starts up, and then maybe some advanced features that it can actually do. And then after that, we're going to switch gears a little bit, and Andre is going to show us a great example of a real world project that we both kind of work on that utilize this to accomplish a, a need that we had. So I don't want to give it away yet, uh, but let's start with the basics in case you're new. So I'm going to quick add in the content AI user interface here and the screen share in case you're just listening. What I have is our content inventory and I'm actually, sorry, I'm at the home, home dashboard uh, of the content tool. And I can see I've got a couple pieces of content ready that are, currently being worked on because they're in draft mode and, and yet there might have been a version published. But if we if we look at this a little bit, right away, just dealing with content, workflow comes right to the front and center. We have this column that says what workflow step is in, so we can kind of understand maybe where this content is being displayed on, on our websites or not. And that's one thing I really appreciate about the interface is it really calls out very concretely where things are. It doesn't hide it. Um, but in case you're you know, starting from nothing and you have zero in your content project, you might actually want to start at the project settings. That's where the creation and management of workflow happens. And as I move over to project settings and then workflows, we actually have two different workflows enabled for this project. It's just a sample project, so I've been kind of setting this up as a demo, but 
um, out of the gate, you're going to have what's known as the default workflow in content. And it's set up to touch all content types and kind of be your safety net, right? In case that you were trying to be very creative and adding content types to certain workflows and missing the here and there and something goes wrong, you actually can't shoot yourself in the foot because this always applies to all of the default content. At least that's kind of what we were actually just talking about before the show, right, Andre? It was the whole idea of we want to make sure that there's always something. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and I see if you've done uh, quite some work on this one. Um, and, and that's that's perfectly fine because the, the default workflow only gives you three steps, draft, published, and archived. Um, and it's, uh, it's up to every agency, to every uh, project manager, how to set it up in a way that works for you because every team has a different requirements, every project has a different requirement. Um, and then the default workflow actually, as you said, Brian, makes sure that even if you don't think about it, you never lose any content that you're working on. Um, and uh, it's like a, yeah, yeah like, like you said, it's like a safety net uh, for everything else. And then of course you can add additional workflows based on the type of content. Um, but I, I assume you're gonna show that in a second. Yes, yes, great segue. So yeah. uh, before we talk about the usage, let's talk again about the setup and management of it. A, a workflow is made up of workflow steps, as we can see here. Uh, and Andre kind of hit on the head on the nail. The Sorry, the nail on the head. Wow, that's not a really great way to say it. Uh, <laughs> each step has a name and a color and, and a set of transitions to move between the, the next part of the flow and or the previous. So it sounds a little complicated. And then as I open up this screen, maybe some things are a little overwhelming to so a brand new user. But generally, it's just where am I at on this named step? And where can I move to? Or where can I move back in case I want to discard changes? So the, the most traditional way to think about this is you always start in draft or edit mode. And you usually would want to maybe go right to published as, the, as you finish working on your content. Sometimes you might go to other steps, which is actually what this one is showing, because maybe you have a different team member who has to review metadata and look at SEO and make sure all the, all the other fields are meeting the content guidelines, meeting the uh, best practices of your organization. And it really allows you to kind of set this up to go from that level of SEO approval to the next level to the next level. And when you combine the step transitions with the roles, of who can manage which things, that gives you the sort of strength of content governance around your content. So right now we're looking at the first draft step in the workflow. We can go to a couple different next steps and all roles can do this. But if we start looking a little further down, and let me maybe go down the chain and look at the SEO verification step in the process, uh, you'll notice that we have a different set of steps we can go back to or forward to, because we're not, we don't want to block anyone from doing their job. So maybe SEO verification is truly optional and you can skip it. This setup allows for that. But if you want to be very strict and actually say that, you know what, you actually can't go backwards or can't go forwards, you simply would delete these other transitions away from there. And you'd have a very linear process that is 100% enforced. And you can even add and change the roles of who can move each piece of content into watch step. So if you do want to check out the actual full documentation on how to do this, you can simply do that um, on the content uh, docs site. 
And uh, we'll show that link in a second because I'm still sharing the screen. But um, these steps are configurable. The nice thing about them, if you want to move them around, you can actually simply drag and drop via the handle to move those steps around. And the colors are up to you to choose and, and do with what you want. Um, it's all just pretty, pretty easily configurable by you. And it can be specific to each of your projects in your content subscription. Um, and that's the basic setup of the first workflow. And we may have talked about that a little bit too much, but I hope you get the idea that there's a lot you can do with it. One other thing that you can do with the advanced plans in content is actually have multiple workflows for different types of content. So traditionally, you might have one workflow that applies to all content types because you want to work all in one way with your team. But the newer ability of content allows you to have actually specific additional workflows for specific content types. Uh, and this is an example where it's a legal approval workflow. It only applies to the article content type, not all of the other types in the project. And on this one, we actually maybe want the legal team to simply review. So I have uh, a step named legal review, and I have the legal team and project managers as the only roles that can handle these workflows. Anything you want to add there, Andre, as I've talked quite a bit about it? Yeah, um, the, the only thing I would add is uh, that you don't have to define the workflow um, before you start working on content, right? Mm -hmm. um, because it's exactly the same as content model. Uh, getting the content model right the first time you actually touch it is, uh, is nearly impossible, I think. Or at least I see it in our projects that uh, we work on the content model continuously because sometimes we add new components. Sometimes we, um, you know, see that um, some content types are not working for us or they are too complicated. Um, so workflow is the same. Uh, sometimes we find out maybe I need another workflow step. Maybe I decided to add uh, translations into the project. I added new new um, languages. Um, so in those cases, you can go ahead and change the workflows uh, workflow steps. You can also add new workflows. And in this case, there's the big question, what happens with content, right? Um, even as, as you're changing content types, there's always the question in the back of your mind, when I delete this, is it going to delete all of my data? In case of workflows, when you add a new workflow and you specify, um, as you see here, that there is a content type article um, and you save the workflow, it doesn't mean that all the articles that you have in the system, uh, if they're published, if they're in draft, wherever, uh, they're not going to be automatically converted. Only when you create a new one, a brand new one article, it's going to use that workflow. And for the rest of the articles, the system is going to give you a way or an option that you can transition from that one workflow to uh, the new one. Yeah, so it gives you some kind of a stepping stone into the new workflow to make sure that, um, because there may be large content teams working on it. Yeah, And if you create a workflow, maybe um, you're just testing something um, you don't want to uh, have all the generators curious about what's going on, why I can't change my my content because you may you know remove access from that content item for them. Um, so it can be a slow process that that helps you you know fine tune the workflow uh, to really match your needs. Right, right. And actually, I'll show you that because that's something that tripped me up a little bit in preparing for today's episode because it's a uh, maybe slightly hidden in the interface. Uh, this is an article that was 
a part of the sample starting project for the for all time. It's been there for forever, right? And I only recently added in the second workflow for the article legal review process that we've talked about. So when I first went to this and said, you know what, I actually need to uh, make a new version and maybe change this back. I hit the steps and I, st I still saw the original workflow steps in the list. And that threw me off a little bit because I'm like, well, wait a minute. I just made articles part of legal review workflow, not the default workflow. And now I'm not seeing all those correct things. And Andre actually helped me basically show that the uh, panel here of information about a content item is telling me that uh, I'm in the default workflow still because our new workflow was added after this content item was created. And when I hover over default, it's giving me the little edit icon that says, hey, this type of content or this item is available to be chosen to a different workflow. And now I can change it and, and choose the dropdown to change the workflow to legal approval, change that workflow. And now we're seeing that noted here that the workflow is currently the legal approval for this coffee article. And then when I go to change the steps or publish, I see that now I'm actually in kind of that legal review step. And I have the, the steps that I'm assuming would be you know, available to me in that legal review. So that, that kind of fixed the situation that we just described basically. Um, and I think that's pretty cool that you can actually not worry about slowing down your content creators or editors just because you want to add a technical uh, governance thing around it. Um, whereas I have definitely seen that break in other content management systems over the years. Right. And uh, you've seen the UI. It's, it's not really shouting to the world, hey, change me. I'm workflow. Change me, please, now. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's not meant to be used uh, uh, frequently. Yeah, the UI is optimized uh, for the editor's experience, and the editor should be working on content mainly. Yeah, yeah. they should have a great experience uh, moving between workflow steps, um, adding tasks, and uh, setting due dates and everything. But workflow shouldn't be like their daily task. Yeah, so the UI kind of suggests that uh, this can be changed, but it's not shouting that to the world. Now, one other thing I think is important, if this is a new concept to you or if you're new to content, is you really can't consider workflows without roles. And that's an important combination that usually the reason you have a, a, a complex workflow is you want different team members to do different things. And maybe you actually want to lock down certain types of content where only one group of people can manage that and edit it, but others can't, or you still have your, your uh, content uh, marketing uh, top level person who is maybe a director who they're the last point of approval, but they're not going to worry too much about actually writing or creating the words in the content item. So I would definitely encourage you all to, before you actually like configure everything in content, maybe even like step back and, and draw out in your head how the steps of content in, in your process of creation apply to which roles. And you actually want to like create the roles and put the people in roles first before fully defining the workflows. So from an order of operations, that security aspect plays into using workflows, at least in my experience. And I don't know if you would agree with that or not, Andre. Yeah, I, def I definitely would. But uh, uh, obviously, you're, you're working on, on client projects. So I would trust you with this. Sure, sure. 
<laughs> All right, so that's kind of the basics of the setup. You know, you have content items that go into workflows. Workflows can have configurable steps that you can transition from one to the other. You can go forward to publish. You can go back to draft. That's all uh, pretty easy to understand stuff, we hope. Uh, if not, let us know in the comments. But I think it makes sense to actually transition to maybe how this is used in a, in a full real-world example. Andrew, what do you think? Do you want, do you want to show the listeners how uh, how this maybe works with with our project? Let's let's do that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let me switch back over. I'm gonna take my screen off the feed here, and I'm gonna add yours in. If you are you ready, sir? Yeah, I think so. I hope that I'm not gonna show something that I don't want to, uh, which always happens. But uh, all right, here we go. Let's let's see. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, we can cut it out. Um, so this is a uh, this is a project uh, that we're using with uh, uh, the MVPs. Now, if you don't know uh, who MVPs are. It's a most valued professionals, a group of people that we really value for content. Um, Brian is uh, the member of the team, um, is the team that uh, uh, consists of uh, content enthusiasts, community members that are really happy to help the community and they share their experience um, and so on. Uh, I guess we can talk uh, uh, an hour about the team and what, what goes on. Um, but just so you know, we're using a project here to track um, all the activities and uh, to track the authors as well. Now, uh, what you see here is, uh, uh, let me switch to the 2022 collection. Uh, so we're using that for uh, distinguish to distinguish the years. Um, but what I wanna show you is that there are, mainly there is um, uh, the content type activity used, right? That stands for any kind of activity. Um, the next one is uh, author, which uh, you see this is a list of uh, all the MVPs. And we're kind of mixing those together. Yeah, if uh, you want to take a look, uh, we can take a look at the content model for activity. There is an author that is linked to uh, an author content type, right? So a fairly simple uh, content model, I think, uh, only two content types there, activity and author. Um, and uh, we have one special thing there called scheduler. I'm going to get to that in a moment. Uh, that will be something for a tech audience. Um, but what you should see here uh, on the workflows is that there are two workflows. As Brian mentioned at the start, there is a default workflow that applies to everything. Um, that is still the draft, scheduled, and archived. Those are the three basic steps that are always there. Um, and the workflow is used to any content type not specified in other workflows. In other words, this is your fallback. If you don't specify um, a content type for a specific workflow, it's going to use the default one. Now, what we do have here is another one called activities. And that's a workflow only for activities. You see, it's limited to a content type activity. Now, what we, why we uh, implemented this is um, we're also tracking articles. And we always want to see the impact of an article, uh, how many page views it got, or a video, how many views it got. Um, and uh, in the past, uh, we always forgot to uh, you know, remember that in two weeks we should get back or in a month we want to look back um, and see the, the actual numbers so that we can evaluate. Um, so what this workflow does for us is based on the content and based on uh, what the MVP adds in, uh, it actually transitions through the workflow steps towards the publishing state, um, but um, it has a lot of stops. So here you see that uh, when we switch from draft to process, uh, this is actually an automatic process that I will talk about in a minute, um, but then it can go to waiting for evaluation or waiting for approval. 
in case we're tracking activity like a feed provided feedback or um, something that can be evaluated right away, it doesn't make sense to wait for evaluation, right? Then we can switch directly to evaluate. So in this case, we can even go to uh, waiting for approval in case there is no evaluation needed for some activities. And uh, for some activities, when we're waiting for evaluation, like the blog posts that I mentioned, uh, we switch to evaluate in a certain amount of time. Uh, and then we do the evaluation and then we switch to waiting for approval. So it's like two branches that uh, each require different uh, conditions to be met. And then of course they merge back uh, just before they are published. So it's not the complicatest of all the workflows, uh, but I think it, it works well in our case. What no, do you think, Brian? Yeah, I mean, you're right. We totally forget to do this if there was nothing that was helping us out to do this. <laughs> and the great thing about this is, um, like, this is the workflow as we set it up in content. Um, if if this was a normal project, you would have to um, like choose the workflow on your own, which is perfectly fine. You could just add activity, and you know that you want to get back to this in two weeks, so you set up a due date in two weeks and move it to a specific workflow step, right? But in our case, uh, because we are tech nerds, I figured why do something that can be done automatically, right? So what we do have here in place is a special mechanism uh, con that consists of a few serverless functions. And it works in a way that when you create a new item here, uh, I don't think that this is gonna work because we're in a different environment, um, but uh, I'll just explain it, right? When you create a new item, activity and call this one uh, content rocks. Uh, I could add myself here. Uh, obviously I'm archived because I'm not an MVP, but for testing purposes, I'm there. Um, so I add myself here. I uh, do the rest uh, of the, I fill the rest of the fields and then I change the workflow step to process. Now you see, I, I can't do anything else because I always need to go from draft to process. There's just no other way. And when I do that, there is a serverless function that takes over. And when you see, uh, I'm just gonna switch back to the activities workflow to show you that the process workflow step is configured that, oh, actually MVPs can work with this, but I think that they cannot change anything in there. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we can yeah. typically, yeah. Yep. So once this gets to process, you cannot really uh, change anything. When it goes to waiting for evaluation or waiting for approval, you see that MVPs can no longer work with this step. Yeah. So only the system can work with it. Project manager, uh, as you know, even the, the API needs to have some credentials. Now, what happens there is, and I'm gonna switch to code now, yeah. A friendly warning. Uh, what happens there is uh Netlify function takes over. That's the process new item uh, serverless function that is actually triggered by the webhook. Yeah, so we have a webhook in place that waits for a transition step from a single workflow to another, uh, from single workflow step to another. And uh, what this does is, uh, let me find the interesting part. So here it is. So the only thing this does, apart from you know the API calls, is it takes the uh, the type of uh, the activity, you know, uh, we have the, the multiple choice there that says article, blog post, and so on. And based on what kind of type it is, it's going to uh, move that item to a specific workflow step, and it's going to schedule um, the another move to another workflow step. 
Yeah, so it says move um, to uh, waiting for evaluation step right now. And then it's going to schedule in 14 days, it's going to move to another workflow step automatically. Um, or if uh, it's a different type, it's going to assign the reviewer, uh, which will be another MVP. And it's going to move to another workflow step, which in this case is, I think, yeah, here we have workflow step waiting for approval. Yeah, so this is a, a very simple uh, one if that actually decides what's happening. And that's the schedule scheduler uh, scheduler that I talked about. Oh, here it was. Yeah, we can go back here, 2022. And the scheduler actually uh, contains just the JSON of when each item should move to another workflow. Yeah. Um, and this is again then processed by another serverless function that runs uh, every two days on Netlify. So Netlify finally has uh, scheduled functions. Mm -hmm. So it's really easy to run this every other day and check what's happening here. And if um, a specific um, uh, you know, activity should be moved to another workflow step, that happens. It happens all automatically. And um, the function also sends a message to Discord to the specific author of the item saying, hey, uh, Brian, uh, I know that this item should now be evaluated. Please take a look. Um, and Brian can go ahead, um, open the specific item, and uh, work uh, with the content item. So only with specific activities and specific workflow steps. And uh, the management API of the serverless function that actually con um, you know, works uh, through the business logic and uh, moves the item through the workflow based on those rules. I love it. I mean, I, I love how we're showing how webhooks and serverless functions can be combined with workflow and content to really create powerful solutions for real world problems, right? That's what we've just done here is we're looking for that second approval of a different MVP or the project manager to validate these things as our social code calls for it in, in our in our group. And no one has to remember to do this because again, it was getting missed in years past. And I think you've done a great job, Andre, of showing off how, how powerful this can be. And I, of course, I showed the secret uh, as well. So, you know, when we finish this podcast, I'm just going to regenerate it. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. We'll get that taken care of, or I can edit it uh, either way. Um, and as a reminder, we, we've talked about it a couple of times. So, I want to uh, show this again. Discord is a great place to ask questions about content, even talk to the MVPs, talk to Andre, uh, other people on the product team participate in it. So if you're at all using content, I can't recommend it more than to join up. I mean, if you're not there, go do that right now. Don't even finish the podcast. We'll just say it's that important. Um, and honestly, based off time here, Andre, I think we're, we're going to have to wrap it up a little bit. I know, I mean, this, this whole concept is... We could probably talk more about serverless functions, webhooks. There's all sorts of other topics we could keep going on, but I think we'll we'll, we'll call it here for today. If uh, what I'm going to do though is I'm going to throw up uh, your Twitter handle, so uh, I definitely would recommend following Andre on Twitter or subscribing to his channel on YouTube because he places a lot of great sort of tips and tricks and news and best practices around using content in all sorts of different languages and technologies, and it's just a great resource. So. Definitely want to thank you, Andre, for, for joining uh, the show today. Great in showing off the, the tools. Um, we, we, we should probably also say, if you're curious about, you know, maybe starting from scratch, the best way to get set up and start using workflows is to follow the, some of the documentation that's out there at the docs site. 
uh, at content.ai slash learn. That's actually the new URL that where you can find, I think there's tutorials, there's documentation, there's API uh, documentation, there's change logs, great place to find out more about what content offers and how it's been continually improving over the years, which is something we always appreciate from it. Um, but with that, I mean, I think we'll call it. Uh, this has been the Content Rx Podcast. And thank you very much, Andre, for, uh, for joining us today. Thanks, Brian, for having me. This was fun. Awesome. Well, we'll have you again. Looking forward to it. <laughs> See ya. Right. Bye. Bye, everyone.